Hello, and welcome to episode number 60 of Future Chat from Unwind Media. My name is Rob Attrell, and I'm here today with my esteemed co-host, Mike Attrell. Nick Maddox, our well-rounded and intelligent senior contributor, is also here today. Every week on this show, we aim to discuss all of the week's most interesting science and tech news. And boy, do we have a show for you today. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. They have more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. To help out the show and get a free audiobook of your choice, as well as a free 30-day trial, please do visit audibletrial.com slash unwind right now. The Audible Library includes programs from the leading audiobook publishers, broadcasters, entertainers, and magazine and newspaper publishers. All right, guys. Uh, this is it. This is the I.O. show, our post-I.O. apocalypse. Uh, Nick, I don't know how excited you are about Google News. Not in the but least. But I feel like this is, this is topical enough, because this is actually something that can be in your hands today. In my hands today? It could be on your phone what? right now if you paid attention. Wow. It saddens me deeply that you don't care at all. But uh how many so how many great links have I shared which neither of you care about cared about though? That's why we have the three I, of us. There's a good variety on this podcast. There's something for true. everyone. There are some people some people who care about things and some people who don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh so we're going to get to IO stuff, but there's a few knots we want to tie off, uh, specifically mostly Mike this week. Uh, you had a couple things that you just wanted to mention as follow up to past things we've talked about. Yeah, I, I think they're, they're items that don't necessarily require a full conversation, but I think it's worth mentioning because we've talked about it before at, at great length. Uh, so just a couple of news items that crossed my feed this week. Um, uh, first of which is that the uh, team over at Oculus has announced a price point for the Rift system. And I think when we first looked at it, it sounded like a very cool device and very interesting, but no one was really sure how much it would cost. And people thought it might have been a a point of contention with the general public and possibly hurting its place in people's homes. But they've come out and said that you'll pretty easily be able to get one for 1500 and that's including the computer required to run the device. Well, that's including the computer. Yeah, including the computer. Gosh, at that price, I may as well buy five. Well, well, that's... How that's can I afford to leave it there? Pretty much. Like, <laughs> like people regularly spend over $1,000 on a gaming computer. So when you have okay, 1500 yeah. for a VR system, then that's, that's not unreasonable. Uh, it's still obviously a luxury device, but... It's something that's within reach, I think, of the serious gamers out there that might want to give it a go. Um, so does this make you guys excited for the Rift? I know none, neither of you are gamers per se, so I don't, I don't think yeah. any, all, any three of us would have actually bought it, but I still want to try it. I would definitely try it. Like I don't, I don't have any gaming systems. I've never had an Xbox or anything. The last thing I had was a Super Nintendo. But I would certainly, if people, if I knew someone that had it, like I knew people in university who had Xboxes or or Playstations, uh, I would definitely go and try it out at people's houses. But yeah, I don't think I would buy one myself. Um, not now, anyways. If if it got cheaper, I would certainly consider VR. Yeah, I'm happy for other people, <laughs> as always. Yeah, it'd be it'd be cool to to be able to try it for sure. Um, yeah. 
yeah, so then I guess the next topic is uh, a couple weeks back, we mentioned how Audi was embarking on some research for alternative fuel. Alternative fabrication, I guess. Yeah. And so it's still hydrocarbon, but it's generating it through through a byproduct process. Uh, so it looks like they've come up with another method of capturing a biomass byproduct and turning yep. it into ethanol. Uh, so so that's good to see that Audi is still still kind of um, pursuing that that goal of coming up with other ways of, of getting hydrocarbons other than just pulling it out of the ground. Yeah, definitely. Um, and let me just see. I'm just pulling up the name of the fuel. E-benzene is what they're calling it. So, so in, in German, is that pronounced benzene? It, it possibly could be. Like eco-benzene <laughs> or I don't know. Yeah. I, I, the benzene was kind of throwing me off of that. It reminded me of benzene. I, right. I don't think it's benzene that they're making though. It's, I don't, yeah, it's not benzene. No, it's, it's definitely it's, not benzene. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's definitely yeah. Hundred hundred octane gasoline is what they're they're turning it into. Yeah. Um. It's so I think bad. they're yeah. So it can be used Eventually. as a fuel additive. Yeah. And that kind of thing. So props to Audi for being on the leading edge of hydrocarbon generation. Yeah. Definitely. Um. Okay. So next thing, still energy related, is uh, Alberta just flicked the switch on for the largest natural gas power plant because of course <laughs> because of course okay. it's not a nuke of course well they they already they already built it nick they can't just say well nukes here let's scrap this idea you gotta there's lots <laughs> I mean, of, there's could, lots of gas i mean they should but yeah they're not it's baby steps nick you gotta replace the coal with gas and then gas with nuclear it's Yep. It's got to be a transition. You can't just go straight from one to the other. Yeah. Especially not Alberta. Like, no, definitely not. Canada's, what, second richest province? And <laughs> at least. Can't get I it together? You, oh, good, good. That's great. You, you need the Green Party in power to start the nuclear initiative. I think. Oh, God. They don't like nuclear. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It's like the most green one there is. Well, it's yeah, not as green, green as like wind and solar, which is what we should really be using. I mean, it represents only like 1% of the actual demand, but that is absolutely what we need to be using right now. I liked the granola <laughs> accent there. That was pretty good. He, yeah. he says alienating <laughs> everyone. <laughs> He's got the hair for it. Yeah, he does. Right? Yeah. I've been rocking this all week. <laughs> yeah. So what actually, what, what is this actual plant this power it's plant it's a 800 megawatt it says 800 megawatts 800 megawatt plant uh that will i think they were talking about that it will make calgary more or less fully natural gas powered or something it just, it just okay. helps to replace the coal is essentially the idea that's i mean that's useful because yeah. coal is terrible like absolutely terrible for the environment whereas natural gas is just terrible for the environment well natural gas isn't really that bad so long as you it's so long as it's not like sour it right i mean the thing is it it still generates a lot of uh carbon dioxide because it's a fossil fuel but it burns very cleanly yeah that's the biggest advantage of natural gas yeah so the the article that i found said that it will give 50 percent less greenhouse gas than than the current coal 
clients that we're, we're using. That's obviously not uh, well-to-wheels emissions, but it's at least uh, in, a, in a strict energy generation sense, it's 50% less greenhouse gas. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's good to see. Definitely. And the last one I came across, we had talked about this at least tangentially, if not a full discussion on it, but about the replacement of uh, human work with machines and AI. Yeah. Um, I think it was back in future side chat. We talked about automation. Yeah. I, I just went through AI. it was number 12. Yep. Um, so NPR came out with a little, I wouldn't call it an, like a widget, a widget kind of thing, or just a yeah. quiz or an app. app web app thing. Yeah. That you can put in a career and see what the percent chance is that it will be replaced by AI within X number of years. I don't know if there's a set time. I don't think there was years. I think it was just in uh, general at some point. Uh, So they use, you know, various criteria for what the job required, whether it's, you know, creativity or monotonous, uh, repetitive repetitive type tasks that could be replaced by machines. Yeah. Um, So yeah, they have it kind of, broken down into different job types and and such so go look up your job and see how dispensable you are i guess <laughs> yeah i think i came in yeah. at like 19 or 17 percent so yeah i, think I see it's, it's pretty good good as i could have hoped i see chemists are 10 percent. yeah yeah but i have no idea where to find non-destructive testing it's so fringe i'm <laughs> not sure it's even here if there's like it's a probably trades, very difficult yeah yeah. Yeah, like anything like they don't I have the trades top, though. Yeah. I think the top had like ninety nine percent chance and it was like telemarketing. Yeah. And that's you know, robocalls at it. I mean they already are. Yeah, they already it's are. already happening. Yeah, so <laughs> no surprise there. Yeah. Um I'd imagine that if you're like, you know, a cashier or like a fast food service person, then you're probably pretty high up on that list too. We've talked. Yeah. We, I think we talked about that in that same episode with all the yeah, self serve type stuff. The default thing it gives you, the default option of job is bookkeeping, and that's like ninety eight percent as well. Bookkeeping. There are lots of jobs like bookkeeping. I don't even know like what that doing is. Taxes and like filing. Oh, okay. numbers. So using like you file instead of yeah. a tax person. Yeah, an accountant. Yeah, interesting. Again, for the most part, already has started yeah. the transition. Yeah. yeah, everyone pretty much does their own taxes these days, more or less. Yeah. Oh, well, what there's still uses, a lot of people who don't, but there are a lot of people who do. Yeah, and they have a lot of software that you can do your own money management and they'll yeah. graph it for you and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, that's the follow up I had. Um, cool. So, I don't know what we want to go on to next, but just uh, before we move on from this too far, uh, this is this seems like a companion piece to a series that uh, Planet Money did on automation and things like that, and it was a really good listen. I highly recommend it. Oh, okay, I'll we'll put a link to that. Uh, yeah, give give me a link and I'll throw it in there. Uh, there, well, it's, uh, there are several episodes. Well, give me a link to the show, and then we'll I'll mention which episodes have it. You'll you'll have to find it and then get back to me, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Otherwise, people won't be able to find it. God forbid. <laughs> uh, all right. So, I'm what what I'll suggest we do because we have a limited amount of time with Nick 
is we'll talk a little bit about our favorite things, Mike and I, about our favorite things that they announced at Google I.O. and why they should be relevant to Nick. Nick playing the commoner in this in this scenario. Um, yes, take off your jacket or your sweater. That will help you see much commoner. Thanks, Rob. Uh, <laughs> Unwashed masses right here. <laughs> so, Mike, I uh, I know you weren't paying attention to the keynote. You weren't able to watch live, right? But uh, what were some of the, well, I guess maybe pick the one or two most interesting things that you saw and then we can talk about them and then I'll do mine as well. Okay, so the first thing that jumped out at me was the... Googliness. Photo. Yes, Googly, <laughs> the Googliness was strong in, in this one. Awesome. Um, Called but it. The first, the first <laughs> new development, I guess, was... I guess some people were surprised that Photos was splitting off because that's been in the news for like a couple of weeks now. But, well, it's been the news for like six months yeah, now. But, <laughs> but either way, um, that was news to some people. Yeah. But the news to me was that it's now, and to everyone else, I guess, is that it's now unlimited 16 megapixel photo uploads when before yeah. it was a, I want to say one and a half it to was two, two, just under two, I think. It was two, 2,000 pixels on the longest side right. is what it would back up. Okay. Or 2K pixels, it was 2048. Okay, so it could be 4 yeah. megapixels total, total. Yeah. max. Um, so now it's 16 unlimited storage, which essentially covers any f- mobile upload that you're ever going to do because most camera phones these days only take 16 yeah. or lower. And the other thing is that they're having unlimited storage for 1080p video. Yeah. And it's still debatable as far as if there's a time length for that. That's still... I'm certain that there is no time limit, but we, it remains to be seen because yeah. it hasn't happened yet. That's yeah. awesome. I'm thrilled about that that yeah. announcement. That actually yeah, no, affects yeah. me like right now. Yeah, there you, you should go. go download it. You're already on board. <laughs> what what should I download? I already have the Google photos. Photos app. I have Rob, photos. Photos app comes stock with Android PS. So Jeez, did Rob. you get the update in your play? Yeah. I got I had it updated last night. I was going to say, okay. like, everything just aut- automatically yeah. updates for me, so I don't even know. Did So, okay, so you haven't seen, but you should go check it out because it's it's very nice. Um, one of the things that I wanted to say yesterday that impressed me probably the most out of any of the photo, the new photo stuff is that I have about, I had about 500 photos and videos on my phone right now as of last night that um, it started backing them up. Uh, so, yeah, the it uploaded my 500 photos last night but the thing that impressed me the most is that the ones that were already up there it didn't duplicate them but it replaced the 2048 pixels on the longest side with this with the full resolution um which uh, that that i was so impressed by that and it it uploaded really really quickly like i have based on the about 18 hours that i've been using it i moved my default photos app into a folder like my apple folder that i like things that have now been replaced because i can take a picture in my camera like with my camera and then i can go straight into google photos and it'll be there and i'd rather work with it directly from there because that's where i'm going to be doing a lot of this kind of stuff and i'll know like i'll watch it i'll click open and it'll already be there and like i was i was laying in bed last night taking test pictures on my phone yeah you were opening <laughs> no 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 this that's is not why a i got dirty sent place. so many raunchy photos last night i see 
but so I was taking them with my phone and then my iPad was right next to me yeah. and I was just watching the pictures pop up double much selfie. faster than yeah. they ever did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was much faster than it ever was. By the with, way, uh, Rob, iCloud backup. have you been working yeah. out? Like, mm. <laughs> yeah, I was. Yeah, I was sending you pictures of my arms. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 where you cut it off. Totally. Yep. <laughs> but so yeah, I was I was very I'm very impressed with this service so far, and the unlimited uploads mean that I am basically I haven't been using Dropbox auto upload for uh, several months now, and this is just gonna give me even more yeah. incentive because now it's keeping full versions of my my photos and the other one thing one more thing i want to say that i thought was really cool is the new assistant it's you can you'll get auto awesome photos but you can also awesome photos yourself so you can take a series of oh pictures yeah i saw that and turn them into yeah. a gif on your own you don't have to wait for it to do it and i also noticed it was a lot better at recognizing when that was possible and it gave me as it was uploading these pictures it was giving me gifs like just every 10 photos or every 15 photos, there'd be another one that pops up because yeah. I like taking photos in bursts. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really liking that. There's literally no reason to not use Google photos as your main photo storage anymore. Yeah. Like it's well, someone maybe, convinced me otherwise. Maybe you're a jerk. Maybe that's why you don't want to use it. Maybe. Maybe. Are you saying that you're a jerk? Cause I think you're really going to like it. I've, I've, I just updated the settings. So oh, good. Yeah, yeah I, I double checked. It's unlimited storage for twenty forty eight pixels, and yeah, unlimited storage. Oh, that was the old one. That was the old one. So you're you don't have the update yet. Oh man, let me. <laughs> so okay, let me just. Actually, My question go on. is, I've I've been uploading full res photos because I have enough space. Yeah. Are you gonna? I, am I, I gonna get that space back? Now I don't I know. That's a good question because I also. A bunch of my storage on my Google Drive, I have, I think, six out of 17 gigs uh, free. But many of those gigs, several of them, at least five or six, are video? a few videos yeah. that were over 15 minutes. And so I'm interested to see what's going to happen. If if it'll just give it back to me or if, if I delete those videos and then, and then re-upload them, yeah. if that would give me it back. But yeah, it's, it's interesting and I, I don't really know. Yeah. But so far, it seems like they, it won't. But I, it seems like they just haven't thought of it yet. So eventually that will happen. Yeah. And yeah. I guess while we're still on the topic of the photos updates, the other thing is that they're now allowing image recognition searches, which yeah. looks really cool. And I know, I think you retweeted uh, Farhad Manju's <laughs> yeah. post about how he's found it useful to take pictures of receipts. Yeah, and then he oh, can, yeah he, I, I do that all the time. And he can type receipt and it will come up with a bunch of his pictures of receipts. Like yeah. it knows what a picture of a receipt looks like, which is insane to me. Yeah. Another thing that I noticed is if I take a picture that has text in it and I search for that text, it'll pop it up. Oh, crazy. So it's got text oh, recognition that's cool. in there. Yeah. Yeah. The <laughs> So another thing I tweeted last night when I was playing with this is I, I looked up food because that's one of the options oh, it right. gives you. Yeah. And I noticed the little the, the poop emoji showed up as food. So <laughs> the algorithm's not quite it doesn't get nuanced. It could have of, been chocolate of, ice cream. <laughs> it could have. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. That is true and also kind of disgusting when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. It could be food. Who knows? <laughs> we don't judge. And all of a sudden dogs make so much more sense. 
I was gonna say, yeah, it's food to yeah. some. Hey, of us. that could be food. Like, yeah. how am I to know until I try it? <laughs> uh, okay, so we'll move past photos. I don't know, Mike. You, if you, we'll give you one more chance. I think we should probably talk about this new Google Now, the new Google Now stuff that was yeah. announced, but won't be coming out until the fall, briefly. But the biggest thing that I wanted to note. The sort of the biggest thing that I saw in terms of Android for everyday people is that app permissions on Android as of Google M are going to work exactly the same way, which is an awesome way as they do in iOS. So rather than you hitting install on an app and it'll showing you all the permissions it's ever going to need and you saying accept globally, yeah. um, it is going to not ask you for any permissions. And then when you open the app for the first time, it will say, hey, we want to send you notifications. Do you want to allow that? And then you hit yes, and it allows just notifications. Yeah. When you open the camera, it will say, hey, do you want us to have permission to use your camera? Yes, and you allow it. And it'll, it'll let you do that for everything that it would normally just have globally accepted or globally not let you install it, uh, which is, it, it's the way it's worked on iOS for a while. And so I'm I'm glad that they were able to poach that particular feature and and bake it into the the android operating system because it's it's a great feature i'm not i'm not uh, one of those people who's like oh they're just they're not innovating they're just stealing features right. if it's a good feature take it yeah. like use it well, it's not even patent say. like just being able to allow certain permissions but yeah, yeah exactly that's how innovation has worked in the tech field for a couple decades now at least yeah so, exactly yeah if it works you steal it yeah. that's uh yeah we have uh, we have a segment in a little bit, or we wanted we wanted to talk briefly about um, messaging apps. And Nick, you wanted in particular to talk about Messenger, so I'll note that just before we get to that, because it's not for a bit, um, that you will now be able to install Messenger as of Android M and say, "Oh, you want my location? Nope. Oh, you want my contacts? Nope." And just stick with the basic functionality, yeah. but it won't mean that you don't have to install the app. Um, but yeah, we'll save the rest of that conversation for another time. For now, granular app permissions in yeah. uh, Android. One of the interesting things is, like, when I install an app and I'll, I'll kind of skim through what permissions it needs, and there's some that it's like, why does it need that? And <laughs> yeah. and if it's from like a legit company and it's just, you know, it's not some super sketch like, oh, like Adam's super duper calculator, like. And I'm probably just install it because I trust that this company knows what they're doing. Similar to like the Facebook Messenger thing, right? It's like, well, yeah, they know what they're doing. Like, I'm, I, they're not nefarious or anything. But if if it's kind of yeah, like whatever random app, then it's like, yeah, I'm probably not going to install it because it's not worth opening myself up to that when I don't quote unquote know who's on the other side, kind of. Yep. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Say, if I download Facebook Messenger and just don't let anything. Then if it will, like you're saying, if I try to send a message and says, oh, hey, we need to access your keyboard. And then you say, oh, okay, sure. That makes sense because I have to type a message and then you allow it. And then you send it again. It's like, oh, we need access to your cellular network to send a message. Like if it's going to keep doing that or if it's like, if the app can be structured so that it literally won't work unless it has all the permissions that it wants. Otherwise, you're just not able to use it. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I don't think that because it works one at a time. So it, you wouldn't you'd have to be able to open the app and not accept the permissions. 
Right. It would just like it wouldn't be. A, it's not a global kind of thing. So even if you open the app for the first time, it says, "Hey, we want to send you notifications." You saying no wouldn't block the app from working. But they could it make just, it that way, technically. I'm not sure. Like, it just that would be the worst experience. Like, you would do that, and then nobody would ever get your app. You give us all the permissions, that? or we give you no functionality. Yeah, well, it's true. People would do that, but it'd be like, haha, now you're not going to download my app. Why? Like, I yeah. don't understand. I don't think developers would do yeah. that. I, if they did, they would very quickly find out that nobody wants yeah. their app. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, was there was there anything else that really jumped out of you? Because I just have one more thing that I really thought was cool about okay. IO I'll, so far. Maybe if I'll quickly mention what they kind of went over today that I kind of had pop up that I didn't have time to. A news hasn't really been written about it yet, but I think it's worth putting out there to maybe follow up for next week. Is sure. their their projects that they have and. They're not, it's not their moonshot products, but it's like their, what they call their ATAP. I'm not too sure what that stands for, but that's what they're calling it. Uh, their ATAP projects. And they're basically like the next things that are coming onto the market, but are still X number of years away kind of thing. Um, but they've kind of gave some updates on three of them. One of them we had heard about before and the other two are new, at least new to me. Uh, and that is the project uh, Era, which we've talked about on the show multiple times. Uh, the yep. modular cell, the modular cell phone, and then there's one called Project Jacquard, Jacquard, I guess. Yeah. And that one is a textile-based uh, touch sensor, yeah, trackpad type thing, tactile response. I guess is probably the best way to to describe it. Yeah. And then the other is project solely i believe yeah that's that's what i have yeah and that one is a uh it's essentially a radar sensor that allows your device to track the movement of your hands or i the the, the example that kind of like leap i think kind of yeah but it doesn't use optical sensors right with a device but it's like a radar that receives amplitude and frequencies obviously and then based on well i mean radar is light just radio. I guess wave. maybe so. Maybe it is closer to leap than than I think. But because I thought yeah. of leap too, and I was like, this seems substantially different enough to be different. But maybe it is the right. same we'll technology. Have to see. We'll have to see. Yeah. But it's the kind of thing where you can put a glove on and just do whatever with it, and it can take that signal. Right. And... So it's like power glove. What's that? <laughs> the Nintendo thing from the eighties that like the controller that you oh. wore as a glove. Um, just uh, just checking in. ATAP, yeah. ATAP stands for Advanced Technology and Projects. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks, Nick. No problem. Glad we both had that up. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as I was like, "What does it stand for?" That's a weird acronym, but okay. yeah. Um. So I I don't know. And oh yeah, so Project Era they updated and they actually had a working. I I wouldn't even call it a prototype because it was literally running Android M. Like, mm-hmm. and and they had it on stage doing stuff. It wasn't like the last demo that we saw where it's like, yeah, it turned on and now it's dead. Like, it was in, <laughs> it was a literal working, I guess, right. still a prototype, but it was as close to consumer model as you'd probably get at this point. Right. Um, and the one thing I really found cool just in the description that I read was 
they had they opened the camera app and there was nothing shown because it didn't have any camera module on it. But then he pulled a camera module out of his pocket, put while the phone was still on, on in the camera app, popped it into the phone, and like five seconds later it popped up with the camera. Huh. So it's like it's almost like USB. Yeah, it's like a plug and play right. type thing. But it's also hot swappable. Yeah, right. Well, that's and like while it's running. Yeah, yeah, and that that was kind of what we saw with like the battery aspect, and I, and that's kind of what I thought of. Like, oh, that's cool. You can like have two batteries and just swap them out. Although, yeah, you'd need two different bat. Like, you'd need yeah. two battery modules, and then because you couldn't have no right. battery in it, it would just right. turn off. Yeah, but yeah, uh, it era is really interesting, and yeah. I think modular smart or smartphones devices, whatever, will probably end up sort of in the same vein as sort of higher end computers are where you build your own. Yeah. And I don't think it would necessarily go mainstream, but it's, it's really cool to see what they're doing with it. Yeah. And like sticking with the camera thing for photographers out there, you could have like a little satchel of different lenses Yeah, and just go and swap them out. If you want to do like macro photography or just a higher zoom or, or whatever. Right. That's yeah. I don't know. I think it has a lot of promise. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the one thing that you have here that I also wanted to just briefly mention is USB-C is now going to be standard with Android oh, yeah. M. Standard, well, I don't think they said standard. No, 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 with, with new devices going forward. Like, that's what they're going to be aiming for. I didn't hear the word standard, but I heard that they'll support it. It, it. is the new USB standard. Sure. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm okay. saying standard for. Okay, sure. But it's <laughs> yeah. still up to each manufacturer to include USB-C in their yeah. device. But, but it, yeah. yeah. One of the things that I saw is that I don't know if it's specific to USB-C or if it just happens to coincide with the implementation of it, but and I've always thought it would be a really good idea is to allow charging from one device to another. Yeah. Like I'll often have like my work phone and my personal phone. And if one or the other is running out of battery, then I'm like, well, my other one's fully charged. So I'd like to be able to share some of the battery with the other. And apparently Android M is going to support that to be able to plug it in and a menu will pop up and say, what do you want to do with this? And then it says, you know, link to it or charge it or whatever. So. Right. Yeah. People have been saying the, it will be something that the manufacturer has to allow, but people have been saying with the new MacBook, which was the first thing that was really shipped with USB-C. Um, you can even take, like I have a portable battery pack that plugs in and apparently those will charge the MacBook. So it seems like we're getting into a point where power sources are kind of interchangeable and things you wouldn't really expect to work would work. Like you can charge your phone with a tablet or something like that. And uh, yeah, it's an exciting future, but we'll have to, I think it'll take a while for the technology to get ingrained and then we'll start to see more generalized permissions. Like you could, if your friend's phone's dying, you just plug it into your phone and share some of the juice. But I don't think we'll see a lot of that right away, but eventually that'll just be the normal thing. But that's what I'm saying. That is going to be a thing. It, no, but I don't think we'll see a lot of it actually happening, but it will certainly be, it'll be possible. And then people will slowly, it'll slowly right. be like, oh yeah, we can do that. Uh, people will carry around sure. cables and be able to just share power yeah. instead of just being the person with a dead phone. Yeah. Well, it's like when you had the graphing calculators in high school and everyone had those little connector cables to, to share like that, the little games and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the last thing that I w will say briefly about, uh, and again, this is maybe something we can follow up on in, uh, in either the after show or next week, 
uh, is this now Google now on tap. Basically it's a button that will show up at like, it'll, it'll, it's the Google now button on Google, but basically you'll be able to long press on it and it'll bring up Google now, but everything you have on the screen in whatever app you're in will be used as context for your query. So the example they used, they were, they were in a music app. I think it was Spotify listening to Skrillex and basically just tap that or hold that button down until it activates and then say, what's his name? And then it, it'll parse that you mean Skrillex and give Skrillex his real name. Or you'll be in a text message conversation talking about some movie and you'll press the button and it will say, it'll give you reviews for the movie and it'll give you times that it's playing around you. Like it'll pull all this information out of the context of whatever you're doing. Mm-hmm. I just thought it's super cool. In the pictures of the demo on the live log that I was reading, it made it seem that those little messages say with the movie popped up without prompting. So say, oh, do you want to go see 50 Shades of Grey today? No, then it, it just pops prompting. up. Oh, is it prompting? Yeah. Will it, will it pop up and say, do you want to hear more about 50 Shades of Grey? So, okay. Okay. So what it would be is, would it um, also pop up with like suggestions of uh, <laughs> S&M merchandise near you? Absolutely. Um, so, okay. W- there's a bit of a disconnect here. So what I'm saying is um, you can, you can certainly do it in the way like what is, what's his real name? And it'll give you Skrillex's real name if you're in Spotify listening to Skrillex. But if you're in a text message conversation, you hit the button. You don't necessarily have to ask anything. It will pull up information. Oh, so that's, okay. You don't have to specifically ask a question. Oh, okay. You can, but this, also this is well done. Yeah. Yeah. It'll pull information out. Like if you name a, if you talking about a restaurant and you bring up information, it'll tell you where it is and give you reviews right. and that kind of thing. So it, it, there is some sense of automation, but it's not going to just like, it's not going to pop up and interrupt you with like an ad for a restaurant. If okay. you are talking about it. Okay. That's, that's, that's all I want. Yeah. That's yeah. good. I think it's a good extension of they, they announced, I think it was last year at IO, the contextual questions. So if you say, yeah. Oh, where's the Eiffel Tower? And it'll say Paris. And then you say, how tall is it? It will know that yeah. you're still talking about the Eiffel Tower. So this is just an extension. They're, ca- they're calling it, uh, deep learning. So it uses what are called, I think it was neural networks yeah. to do all this natural language parsing and figuring out what you're actually talking about and using it to give you information that is actually really useful. Nick, you can look forward to that later this year. Yay. <laughs> All right. I guess uh, I guess we'll leave it there for Google I.O. for now, Mike. If there's stuff we want to follow up on, we can do it um, in the after show. Nick. Rob. You, you put this in here, but we've been talking about this pretty much all week. I think Mike... Um, Mike uh, submitted I, I definitely actual, put the actual the link. first link in there. Oh, okay. It was one of you. Um, yeah. So why don't you open or should I or should I do it since I'm the one that originally started talking about it? Well, so we were having a conversation about uh, one. I think his name's Sean Chu, a uh, city councilor in our beloved Calgary. Yeah. And he was uh, saying how very undemocratic city council was. Because, you know, they were testing out these bike lanes downtown. And yep. uh, they're testing it out now, regardless how people feel about them for a year. And how that's <laughs> just terribly undemocratic. And how 
he wants he wants city council to know how many people really truly despise these uh these bike lanes and uh, <laughs> these democratically elected I would, I was officials just gonna, it's going to kill like the it's going to kill the downtown businesses and the traffic's going to be worse and it's one of the horsemen of the apocalypse and you know that's that's the kind of general general uh sentiment we're getting yeah 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 and then our white knight rob uh jumped in and said hey here's a link this is did like, that you know just basically facts with which you can tell sean chu to shut up <laughs> Yeah, I felt like I couldn't really, I didn't, like, it was a petition that, I think it was change.org, it was, that he was. It was one of those, had, yeah. He was either so, commenting uh, on or had started himself, but uh, arguing basically that if you put in bike lanes, there will be worse traffic, and we talked about, as we talked about last week at the end of the show, no, uh, if you reduce the number of lanes available downtown, the traffic will go down, and your commute will stay the same, like, it'll all eventually balance out. You're not going to get let, or you're not going to get more traffic if you have less lanes. You're just going to have less cars on the road, um, and the traffic will stay the same. And the other, the other argument for it I've heard this week was that you know I was talking to a, a guy about it who's like run some of the numbers on things like this, and he said, "Yeah, so of I can't remember what it was. It was hundreds or thousands, like on that sort of magnitude of roads." And, uh, or sorry, lanes of traffic in the downtown core. City council has removed four. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it's not that big a deal. And we need to clarify that all of the, op- I'd say, yeah, I'd, it's fair to say all the opposition is from people who, like, it doesn't really affect in a direct yeah. sense. The people that live in the suburbs. Right, who commute and, and don't, wouldn't don't ride their bikes anyway. Yeah. So if anything, this gives more opportunity to ride your bike if you w- so wanted to. And for those people in the Beltline, such as one of the members of our of our future chat crew here. Yeah. Yeah. It's very beneficial. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, we were talking about how, I mean, in the time it would take me to hypothetically say I had a car in the parking lot in this building. Granted, the parking for this building is not in this physical structure. It's <laughs> like down the block or a little ways. Yeah. But in the time it would take me to get to my car, get out of the parking garage, get to my destination, find parking, and then walk back to where I was going, like a lot of times you could have just hopped on your bike and, you know, locked it out front of the door in less time overall. Yeah, for sure. And especially, I've been keeping track this week while I'm riding around in rush hour traffic and things like that. It's really fun to like see see that you're actually keeping pace with a lot of the cars yeah. around you. Yeah. Just because everyone hits the same red light. Yeah. And yeah. That's what I used to do when I rode my bike from downtown to Nicanor McKnight Boulevard is up north. No. No. It's like... I don't know. Rob knows where it is. Anyway, it's like 60th Avenue, say, right? So from downtown to 60th Avenue. Yeah. I'd get off, I'd start my ride. And as I got on my bike, the bus I would have taken 
was pulling away from my mm-hmm. stop. So we left at the same time. And by the time I got to the stop I would have gotten off at, it was like just pulling up. Oh, nice. So it, it like took the same amount of time to ride my bike as the bus took to actually get there, mm. which is like yeah. awesome. I was like, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you save the save three bucks and burn some calories. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, the biggest thing that I wanted to point out in, in talking about this is that every, there were some people in the petition that were affected by this, that were saying that they ran into traffic on this street. And they're like, I can't believe I ran into traffic on the street. It's because of the bike lane. Uh, and it's, it's just not, um, bikes are not the cause of traffic. Uh, and so I'll put a link to this, this thing I found on a site called humantransit.org. So this is a, a people basically trying to promote alternative transportations like uh, public transit or bikes uh, just showing a, a, I think it's a group of a hundred people uh, and they're packed either the density they would be on a bus, the density they would be if they all had bikes and the density they would be in cars and just showing you like the, the cars will take up four lanes, like several hundred feet down the street. The bikes are tightly packed into an area slightly larger than a city bus. And then the bus there it's, it's a bus like it's the size of a bus and just showing you that it's the alternative options like you could have as many buses as you want uh or as many bikers as you want or both and it would always be less traffic than the same number of cars because most the the fact is most people's commute is just them in this big four-person or five-person car or seven-person minivan or something like that and the thing to note too is like the people commuting by bike on the roads because the people on the paths will stay on the paths, but the people yeah. on the roads, they're going to be on the road anyway, whether there's a bike lane or not. So yeah. like the traffic is better to have them in their own lane where they're not going to be smoked by hunks of steel traveling, you know, 30 <laughs> yeah. kilometers an hour that they're safe. And it's just, yeah, it's not going to cause more traffic. They're just moving onto a different part of the road. Actually a funny yeah. note on that. Um, I might be misremembering this, but uh, I think based on my reading, they found that that kind of segregated bike lane isn't actually that much safer. Like you can run into similar numbers of collisions because really the biggest determining factor is often either just blatant negligence or how much people have been drinking. Hmm. However, the segregated bike lane gives the impression of safety and that means the cycling rate goes up. Right. The, so the impression of safety is always worse. Like they say that you're more likely to get in a bike, bicycle accident if you're wearing a helmet. Yeah. Because A, drivers will treat you as though you're, it's less of a hazard if you get hit. So they'll be closer to you. And also you will drive more recklessly if you're on a bike with a helmet on because you, you, like psychologically, it has that impact on you that you think you're less destructible or at least that uh, was their hypothesis. Yeah. Well, that, that's the conclusion that they came to, but it, obviously it's not it's not for sure. It's just Mm -hmm. the conclusions that they came to. But um, one of the things that you can do that you can do that really would deter, not not deter, but like prevent um, bicycle accidents with cars in, in a bike lane is have, there's a street here, uh, Laurier Ave in Ottawa that has bollards up or the parking um, things things. separating the lane. And that's a car would have to like bump up over that. In order to hit someone. That is very much the model that they're employing here right now. Yeah, yeah. The, the bike lanes are divided by 
yeah the accidents you'd get into is at corners where that has to end Mm -hmm. and that that does happen but it's once you get people paying attention and knowing that there are bikes and once you get drivers realizing that of course cyclists have responsibility to stay safe and to watch their surroundings but you are also it, it behooves both of you to be aware of what's going on nobody wants to get into an accident and if you get into an accident with a bike you're gonna hurt them and they're not gonna do any damage to you mm-hmm. so just both people both groups should be mindful of the other when they're on the road together yeah. regardless of whether there's a separate lane yeah. yeah that's all i had to say on that i don't know if any of you guys have anything else to add I don't know. I had a thing this week, like, oh, just part of the problem is like a lot of vehicles aren't used to having bikes around and that's a problem. Yeah. Cause like I was coming up behind this big SUV that was taking a right onto uh, fifth street or something like that. I think I was on ninth Ave, a big one way, like four lanes, one way. Right. And so I, check around behind me like this suv up in front of me is turning right so i get into the middle of the lane so that i'm not you know about to smoke past him and then get hit as he turns and make sure no one's behind me make sure i'm well away from the people in the next lane over and so like by the time i've checked all that i'm like okay he's probably turned right by now i can just go ahead and proceed and by God, was he just sitting there like <laughs> with a complete way clear. And like, I'm looking and going like, what is happening? There is nobody in front of you. Like, are, are you confused by me? Like what, what's happening? So eventually I waited for a break and kind of crawled around him to the left. Right. Without actually deking too much into the other lane. And it was only after I'd gone past him that he actually proceeded to turn south on fifth street. That's so strange. Just like I find that happens sometimes. Like people see you on a bike on the street and they just lose their minds. Like every obvious course of action is just inaccessible to them for that moment. Yeah. I lose my mind when cyclists are on the sidewalk. Like I want to push them onto the street. I I always want to push them. I literally like, want to push especially them. Especially when they like ding me like behind like with their bell. I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. You're supposed yeah. to be over there on the street. Yeah, it's like but. this is called a sidewalk. It's the <laughs> bit of the street at the side that you walk on. Are you walking? No, you're not walking? Get the F off the sidewalk then, please. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I really I don't know why. I, I don't I don't hate bikers. Like I don't I'm not gonna want to hurt them physically if they are on the sidewalk but something just makes me want to push them same with skateboarders if they're on the sidewalk (laughs) i'm just like i want to just take you out so hard (laughs) uh if they wearing full body padding that would be a yeah a fun experience all right mike uh you have a story here that i didn't read because it is 100 i'm gonna call it quasi clickbait because it's probably fine but I just, I'm like, I hate this. I did something, something, something. Yeah. Here's how you do it. Yeah. No, the, so, the title is very clickbaity and I wasn't going to read it at first, but then I could tell that it was clickbait, but actually for a reason. Yeah. It was yeah. for a reason. 
Um, so I don't know. I'm actually surprised you didn't hear about this either through I Twitter. I heard about it oh, so much. It. Oh, okay. I looked, I watched this headline so many times oh, Okay. and I'm just like, I'm not falling for this. I, I get it. It's good that you did this, but anyways, go ahead yeah. and explain it. I, yeah. So we had covered, uh, stories of scientists submitting just bogus, ridiculous papers just to see if they'd be accepted and to prove that the system's broken. This was a similar exercise, but more targeting the media and how they pick up science stories and run with them, especially when they're, you know, hot topic items like diet and, you know, exercise and that kind of stuff. So this guy, he's, you know, like a legit scientist and he was approached because I think he had covered or he had written another uh, story on that type of thing, submitting the bogus papers. And someone was like, Hey, do you think you could help us out with this other, other thing we're trying to do? Their idea was to come up with a bogus, like to do a legit experiment, but with really poor scientific method. So they had real results, like real statistics and, you know, a control group and all that kind of stuff, but just poor scientific method release the, the results to the media and see how viral it got or how many outlets picked it up. So they're just kind of long story short, they designed an experiment that ended up showing that if you ate chocolate, like an ounce of chocolate a day, you'd lose weight faster than if you just dieted strictly like without chocolate. Right. And they had various, you know, hypotheses as to why that would happen. And, but the whole, the whole idea behind it was that their, their sample group was like 16 people. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like, uh, that's not really a trial. <laughs> yeah. Um, but none of the outlets that approached them to run their story ever asked, Oh, how big was your, your sample? Um, you know, what was your, you know, you know, percent error on your findings or any of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, due diligence yeah. on the validity of the research. They just said, yeah. Oh, you found this. Oh, okay, cool. And he had like, you know, this German name. So it was like a German scientist found that eating chocolate daily while dieting helped you lose weight faster or whatever right and after they ran with this story he said aha guess what this whole experiment was pretty bogus because just really poor you know scientific method essentially and the whole idea was that this goes on all the time that scientists try to kind of put these stories into the media to get press even though that their scientific method is really poor yeah um and it's uh yeah it's terrible because it happens all the time. And like you, you see health studies coming out every day. I mean, yeah. if, if you pay attention to that, you'll see them all the time. And I have come to know now that basically just don't pay attention to any of it. Eat healthy food and exercise an, a normal amount and you will stay the same weight. And if you're slightly calorie deficient, you will lose weight. And like <laughs> diet is way simpler than any of these studies are making it. Yeah. One of the, I guess, responses to this story, and it was posted on Twitter and got, you know, a couple hundred retweets and whatever, is that they felt that he was trying to unfairly shame the media. And I guess the whole thing is, you know, the media trusts, you know, quote unquote scientists to not be intentionally trying to mislead or have poor practices and it's like well we have no reason to doubt that the science isn't valid or no reason to doubt that this isn't like a scam or whatever but that's the whole point is that media outlets are just blindly 
taking these these results from studies and printing them and just getting out there when there's nobody actually fact-checking or doing due diligence to see if the research was actually valid and if it's or bogus. Or often, yeah. as I point out on my blog, Vodkin Equations, I, I don't even think they read the whole article. Like, yeah. honestly, like, if you read the whole communication release or something like that, and it's not that long, if you read slightly past the headline you can usually figure out what the limitations of the study are. And that's never something they report. Yeah. It's always just like the fluff pieces or the morning show going, Oh yeah, we found out that chocolate can like increase your foot size. Find out more like yeah. after the break. Yeah. But you know, they'll, yeah. they'll never actually report later that, you know, it's a really small sample size and we have to be careful of the results because of course not. Of course they won't. <laughs> yeah i mean you can even take the, i haven't seen a specific example of this but it, it is possible to take to do a study and interpret the results like of health data of health outcomes both ways just by the way you use the data yeah. you can you can prove either thing yeah. with a lot of data especially if you use um if you don't really apply the scientific method rigorously yeah. like in this case yeah and that's, I guess that's what they, they hired or got some, you know, yeah, like number theory guy to crunch the numbers and say, okay, this is what we want to make the numbers work. And they obviously did. And one of the other things that they pointed out was they used a bunch of variables and like data criteria, like types in their kind of statistical analysis. And the idea behind the p-value for statistical significance, the more variables you keep adding, the higher or the lower that number gets. So you can make your your data go from like, you know, not statistically significant. And if you keep adding variables into the equation, that number keeps coming down till it's like below 0.05. And it's like, yes, we got a result. And then you can publish that. Yeah. So and that's apparently like a thing. Just keep adding variables until your your statistical significance gets low, high enough that it's, you know, a reportable result. Right. So I don't know, just poor scientific method all around that yeah. happens both intentionally and unintentionally yeah i'd say in general just watch out for these kinds of health studies yeah. because in general they're not going to they're not going to be as groundbreaking or as <laughs> as scientifically valid as they seem when you click the headline and when you read the article if you go as we've done many times on the show you can go and read a story and it seems interesting go read into it more and find out oh this is actually just garbage yeah and yeah I know, Rob, you've given me a hard time in the past for kind of asking more questions than focusing on the actual <laughs> topic. Um, but this is this is why. like, not, yeah. And it's not yeah, yeah. like an intentional thing, but that's the first thing that comes to mind. It's like, well, what data are they using? Like, And those questions come to my mind because I know how easy it is to report on something without knowing more about where the research came from. So You're right. But like in this case... It's fun to say, oh, what if that's true? Like, if that were true, what does that mean? I think that's yeah. worth talking about, but it's also, if you're going to apply that information, you want to make sure that it's actually a valid claim. Yeah, of okay. course. Yeah. You are right in that, and I was wrong. Well, it's not about right or wrong, it's just I'm explaining that's why. No, I mean, you were doing it correct, like, you yeah. did the correct thing, and I was wrong to question it. <laughs> what on earth are you talking about? That, that vehicle accident thing. Yeah, the number of 
accidents per 100,000 mi- kilometers or miles or whatever it was. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. Nick. Yes. This is a big one. Is it? You, you were thinking last week when you, when you told me you wanted to talk about this, you were thinking of installing Facebook Messenger. Oh, and I followed through and installed Facebook Messenger. And did your world change? Uh, it got more convenient. <laughs> yeah, it did. It was basically, I was talking to Julie on Facebook Messenger. Okay. And I knew at the same time I had to go and do, I forget what it was, but I had to be in the kitchen for a while. So I was like, maybe I'll just break down and install Messenger on my phone and just sell my soul to Facebook. <laughs> just give them all my data. <laughs> and did anything change? Do you feel different? I feel dirty and and like a, a shill, a sellout. And uh, yeah, that's how I feel. Okay, but but you're fine. You're alive. You've just sold out to Facebook. Well, I mean, I'm alive, but what kind of life is this? <laughs> That's fair. Um, so you were were you were you just like wanting to save space on your phone? Were you worried about the the privacy concerns of having to allow all access well, to your phone? Basically, yeah that that's part of it. Um, and I really don't like that when you install the Facebook app, it just sits there for a while and goes through everything on your phone. Yeah. But Messenger didn't do that, which I very much appreciate. Everything. How do you mean go through everything? I don't know. Like when I installed Facebook on my old phone, it took like five minutes to just sit there and mine everything I had. How do you know it was <laughs> mining? Because it told me it was doing that. It's like, we're going through your contacts now. Yeah, we're going through your files like we're now. We're syncing everything. Yeah. Like, it does that. Thanks. Didn't want you to, but thanks. But uh, you gave it access, and then it just like took that access and took it out behind the shed and made love to it. It, it sure <laughs> did. I'm pretty sure the yeah. behind the shed thing is about shooting it, not making love to it. But so we'll either way. I, I handed the keys to Facebook and said, "All right, now now I'm trusting you with the with these keys. Just just act responsibly, okay." I was like, yeah, Nick, no problem. Yep. <laughs> and then it proceeded to like crank the radio up and do a burnout going out of my driveway. And I was like, yeah, I made the wrong decision. Shouldn't yeah. have trusted Facebook. <laughs> have not let me down so far. But That's uh, yeah, yeah. Was, was that so the keys to your beer filled swish gas powered vehicle? <laughs> Man, I wish. <laughs> that would be pretty great. Can you imagine like, just a switchgrass steam boiler or something like that. (laughs) That would be amazing. So the reason I wanted to, that I thought it was going to be really interesting to talk about this, uh, leads back to my being an early adopter of things. And so I thought we could have a general conversation based on Facebook messenger and your, your hesitance to use new things and compare it to what we did when Google Hangouts was launched, how we were all over it. And more specifically, even better example, when Google Wave launched. Do you remember Google Wave, Nick? We were we were living on the cutting edge. We were living right on the crest of that wave. I loved Wave. I still love Wave. <laughs> and it made me realize, and I, I 
in preparation for this episode, I was thinking a lot about messengers and messaging and all of that. And I am a sucker for messaging. I will download any messaging app and at least try it out and give it a fair shake. If I like the design, I'm much more likely to keep it. And if I like its functionality, I'm much more likely to use it. But I will download anything. And so I wanted to, we've been having an ongoing conversation in uh, the Unwind Media Slack team for months, basically since we've got, basically since, since I started it, about its usefulness and messaging in general and how mostly everyone was saying, oh, Hangouts is good enough. And me saying, let's try this new thing because messaging apps are awesome and new ways to communicate might be better than current ways. And I found Slack to be so far. And Mike, I, I've got you on board for now. I don't know if you're happier or if you're just like, this is an experiment, but maybe I won't like it more. And Nick is holding out until this afternoon. Other members of the team. Because I needed to shows. try and get a hold of you two jokers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, the other members of the team so far have used it very briefly, but not too much. I love the idea of having my closest friends, my closest group of people I want to be in contact with all in one spot and able to mix and mingle together without getting, without messages from any random person coming in on the same app or the same channels. You know where else so we for can me, do that, Rob? Hangouts. Nowhere else. In the specific hangouts that we have. A channel is different than a thread. A channel though. is ve- a team is very different than Hangouts because it allows you to. If I want to talk, for instance, it, using a real example, if there's a story about beer in Canada that I want to talk about, I don't want to use an official Unwind Media Hangout. I don't want to use our specific Future Chat Hangout. I want to talk to all the people involved about beer. So and why not use either the Unwind Hangout? Or what, what is it currently? It's not Unwind the, Media related. The, it's not at all related to the, Unwind Media. No, it just hold, uses the same Hold on, people. hold on. Or the, yeah. in this case, the, okay, hold on. I need to check what it's called right now. <laughs> the Future Nick Maddox Rescue Committee. Maybe? Yeah. Because yeah. that's why, not why all the Unwind Media team. Yeah. I want to talk to Keegan and Amon about it too, because our Ottawa podcast is about, we have a beer every episode. We were taught, we were interviewing a guy who works at a beer delivery company or founded a beer delivery company. Right. But then relevant to all of you. So just put it in the unwind hangout. (laughs) But then, but the problem with reaching the same people, that's valid. That's technically totally true. Yeah. You know what? Technically correct is the best kind of correct, Rob. It's, it's really not. (laughs) Uh, The best thing about Slack is that, you don't like if I put that conversation in unwind media or unwind media hangout with that, which had those four same four people in it that would be in the, the Slack team. We would, that conversation would get derailed away from beer. And if people didn't want to pay attention to that, they would have to mute the entire channel. They'd have to mute that entire hangout. Yeah. Whereas if you have it in Slack, people can just turn off notifications for that channel and then come back to it later and see, Oh, look, they're there and catch up on the conversation about beer, but you could still have a conversation with those same four people about something totally different, but you don't have to start an entirely new hangout just about that thing. And then everything gets sort of commingled with individual messages and 
Slack separates very neatly uh, conversations about specific topics with everyone in them, conversations with individual people, and conversations with separate private groups. They're, they're called private groups. If, if Hangouts had a way to separate the different chats, the different threads you had by those same delineators, I would, I would feel fine using Hangouts because Hangouts is more public. Likewise, if Slack went, created the ability to make public teams where anyone could just join up and have public chats on specific topics, that would also make that more compelling. But for me, Slack is more compelling because it lets you, you can add the people you want to, to your team. And you can talk about specific topics where everyone can see it. It's like you're at a giant, it's basically like you're at a conference. You can have all the people you want in one space, in one room with the team. But you don't have to pay attention to all conversations at all times. You can walk over to the beer table where people are talking about beer, listen to the conversation. And then you can walk back over to the main group of people talking. And you haven't missed anything because the transcript is still all there. But you can join in the conversation right away. Whereas if you only had, it would basically be having one table and everyone has to sit at that one table. And if you want to talk about something different, you either have to interrupt the conversation at that table or you have to go and drag another table over, plunk it down and say, hey, guys, let's talk about this over here. And then everyone has to get dragged away from that conversation. I just find Slack for a team like like we are that Slack is better for that use. So Rob, how is how easy it is it uh, the how easy is it to bleep out something I say in post? Uh I will put my finger on the button. Go ahead. <laughs> so what you're saying I need to do is just uh create a Slack thread for how effing useless Slack is <laughs> or like what a degree of abstraction it is that I I really don't think we need for our purposes in the hangouts. Okay. If, uh, I didn't need to bleep that. If I yeah, can, I, I, if I still I decided against swearing. If, if I can interject and kind of append to what Rob was talking about and what I think Nick is going on. Because Nick, I think you and I th- are on the same page. I believe we are based yeah. on previous conversations. Yes, yeah. but yeah. here's my take on it. So hangouts and Slack at this point for all for our purposes they do the same thing and so nick's next idea of well why use that instead of hangouts there really is no good reason to use it instead of the other but i the, what i like is that slack is an alternative and they're the little guy and i, and I want to give them a chance and the one thing i have liked about slack is their keyword search for messages because mm-hmm. like hangouts has it too within gmail but it's not at all organized and like the other day I wanted to find, cause I remembered a message that Rob had sent and I wanted to go find it. I can't remember why, but I wanted to look it up and it, I keyword search and bang, it came up. Like it was very painless and it was very convenient. Um, and then Slack also has all the extensions that you can, that you can include too. And those are yep. either useful and or fun. Um, and yeah, Rob, what you're saying about keeping things on topic that's is very useful for that within the same team. Like right now, Hangouts, we had, you know, yeah, our future chat team and the main unwind media team. But yeah, if you want to talk about, you know, if say if we're all in the same place, it's like, oh, let's like go to a 
hockey game next week, then you just created a separate discussion for that. Yeah. And a oh, you know, the hockey channel or just hang out like the events channel or whatever. Yeah, you don't you have can to call it whatever you yeah, want. Yeah, you don't have to throw it in the middle of the existing chat, have that, and then go back to whatever original topic or whatever. Things don't get lost. It's very well organized. And that's what I've liked about Slack so far is how it keeps everything organized and structured and yeah, very easy to manage that way. I yeah. feel as though this is something that could be easily accomplished by making another hangout. It could be, of course. Uh, also, no, I said we both I said mean, that. I'm I'll just uh I remember I was like big on the wave train when that came out. <laughs> but one of the big differences in my mind between wave and like everything non Google is that Google's privacy poly- policy is very good. And I also enjoy their intellectual property policy in which you are the owner of your data. Right. And in cases like that, Facebook and things like that, you do not own your data. Once you use that platform, right. once you use that platform, it is their data to do with as they so choose. And you're basically trusting them not to be dicks about it. Whereas yeah. if Google decided to use something of yours without asking permission, without compensating you, you would actually have legal recourse if nothing else against them. Right. But Slack doesn't claim any ownership over your information. No, that's not Slack specific. That's just in general, like Facebook versus Google. Yep. So Slack is based off of internet relay chat, IRC which is very old web standard. I was going to say that sounds familiar and it makes a lot of sense looking at Slack. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a very open kind of manipulatable, not open in the, in the sense that it's open source, but open in that it's manipulatable and that you can do really anything you want with it. You can, you can not only take things, services like they've set up so you can have RSS feeds pull into channels. You can have, uh, Twitter feeds pull into channels. You can start a hangout directly from a, from the channel just by tapping slash hangout. It will pop up a hangout with everyone that's in the channel invited. Uh, there are all kinds of really great integrations. And if you don't, if your app or the service that you want to use doesn't have an integration, you can actually write your own integration using APIs for it. Like it's it's a very open, good for developing yeah. platform. I can see it being used by enterprise. And if they get, you know, say, say an IT company decides to have like a Slack expert or just an IRC expert, I guess, who can do that type of coding, then you can essentially customize your Slack interface for your team, depending on what you need it for. Yep. Um, and yeah, include, include extensions in whatever way you want. Yep. There's a lot of GitHub stuff uh, that has to do with Slack. One of the coolest things that I saw, there's a, a podcast called Core Intuition that I listened to by two Apple developers. They they created just a Core Intuition Slack team. And there's a thing you can set up if you run your own website, your own web server. You can set it up so that basically you go to the their website, type in your email address, say, invite me to the team, and it'll automatically go and send you an invitation. So I... Like it, it, that channel, that uh, Slack team, which I joined now has like several hundred people talking about uh, the Apple conference coming up, 
talking about coding, just sharing general problems they have. Like it's this, this little niche environment. And I just, I love the idea of that. Yeah. I, I, what I want to do, what I would love to do is have all the clo- people I'm closest to, the people I want to communicate with all be in Slack and then everyone can kind of tinker around and go meet, meet other people, share common interests. If, if people have like, if people have tech problems, they can troubleshoot them together. Like it, it just seems like a great way to share experiences in a way that isn't as siloed as Facebook or as Hangouts or as any kind of like, it's kind of like a, a non threaded, like Facebook group is good for group conversations, but it's not very good for nonlinear yeah. conversations. You have, you post a thing and then it's posted and then everyone can comment on it. Whereas this is nonlinear. You have multiple channels you can post things to, but, and it's all the people that you want involved in there. I like being able to tag people yeah, as well. That's really useful. Agreed. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Nick just created an I Prefer Hangouts channel. Yep. And Aman uh, has joined. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is so fast. I'm glad he's there. <laughs> Why did I say I just joined? I didn't want to join. Uh, there's an invitation. Nick, Nick invited you in, so you join automatically. Oh. Well, now I feel violated. Uh, <laughs> I, I can change that so that people don't get invited automatically, because I'm the admin. Um, oh, no, I'm pretty anyways. happy with how this has ended up. Yeah. <laughs> totally uh, non-pursuant to this conversation. Uh, Nick, I want to talk about your your next topic here, because you probably have to go fairly soon yeah and I, also it's a great topic i thought you were going to lead off with nick i want to talk about boobs and long legs because the title of this article <laughs> is forget boobs and long legs what men really look for in women yeah and spoiler alert apparently men are looking for intelligence i believe that i don't know that they're looking at intelligence they might be looking at boobs and long legs, but I definitely think that there's truth to that fact that, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, colloquially, colloquially anyway, I can tell you that I've met people with just gorgeous bodies that I would not really want to have anything to do with based on, you know, what they have to say about things. Yep. Um, But it, it also went into a bit of, um, like, Apparently, like men don't care so much about breast size as one would think. Just, right. I guess they looked for boobs and legs specifically, they looked for symmetry. And okay. in legs specifically, they looked for, you know, straight or straight ish legs. <laughs> <laughs> so no sitting, no girls sitting down. <laughs> What's straight ish? Like they can be a little crooked or well, like, just, kind of just, limpy or? Because they're not, like, legs aren't perfectly straight as it is, but like, you know, is it something that would suggest you didn't experience a developmental disorder or like rickets or something like that? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's actually in the article. Like it's just, (laughs) I I believe that an indicator of health, natural selection kind of thing, I guess. Yeah. It's evolutionary psychology. It's like Dwight's criteria for, for a mate. (laughs) That's how it works, man. Um, (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, I just, I thought that was really interesting. And yeah, they also mentioned that, uh, men look for 
waist to hip ratio, which does not shock me at all. And it also, it went into a bit about how men will look for a bit of fat around the hips and buttocks. Yep. So I guess the real purpose of this, uh, this article is that my anaconda don't want none unless you got buns, hon. <laughs> and also, you know, a, an interesting perspective on things. In a- yeah. So just to be clear, this is about finding a life partner, not a one night stand. Correct. I think, I think it's both. Criteria for finding a one night stand is probably a lot lower for a lot of guys. Probably. Lower, but I don't think it goes away. No one's saying it goes away, but it's not like, now, I don't know if this person is an intellectually robust enough for this one night stand. Right. You know what I mean? But at like, the same time, yeah. if they talk and you're like, oh my God, I just want to claw <laughs> my ears out every time I hear you speak. Like, yeah, it disincentivizes it. Remember I was talking about my experience listening to Rush Limbaugh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Co- I, I forget what show it was on. But yeah, if if all of a sudden like I had a gorgeous date and she started talking like Rush Limbaugh, I would just I, I couldn't. I couldn't like stay around her or near her. I think that yeah. says more about you than guys in general though. Uh, there are, are going to be exceptions to every rule and maybe not maybe every guy doesn't value intelligence the same amount, but I think in general that this this study or this I guess it's just a I hope it's not a study because it's a huge claims. waste of money. No, it's a study. Oh, why geez. would that why would that be a waste of money? That's not news. Rob, that, what good has research ever done for anyone? This is not basic <laughs> research. This is like This is social scientific research. This that, is totally that's what science. they do. This yeah. is where it's you science put, everyone already knew. Evolutionary no. biology. This is where you put commonly held assertions to the actual scientific test. Who That's commonly like, yeah. held that people look for body proportions in a like a light like looking for someone you want to spend the rest of your life with. And they value intelligence. That's what the purpose of the study was. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That 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 I guess that's not new to me because that that's not that obvious. Seemed, it seemed obvious to me. To w- which part seemed obvious? That a guy doesn't want a dummy as a wife. I don't think. I think that for me, I would have I would have to see research to show either support for either that men value the physical more versus valuing the intelligence more. And it's not I would even think just that, intelligence. It could yeah. be like just personality and stuff like yeah. that. I think that the personality for a lot of people will have a big draw, but there are going to be people who are going to be just like physical attraction is enough. Right. That's, but they're the exception. Right. Right. I, I wouldn't have known that. Like there, you couldn't know that. That's not common sense. That's some, maybe it's something that you thought, but I don't think it's common sense. I think that, I mean, it's a soft science to be sure, but it's still science. It's still good scientific exploration. I would have rather put this money towards bike lanes. Like (laughs) (laughs) when Mythbusters did their experiment about breast size and tips, that is a social science, but it's still like knowing that larger breasts on Carrie Byron will actually give her much more, many more tips. Like that's, 
very useful information for the restaurant industry to know. Right. And useful information but, for patrons of restaurants to be aware of. Rob, that's it's not good science. That's not, that's not news either. Restaurants literally like I, I you've probably heard the stories or at least read articles of, you know, confessions from a waitress or whatever of how when an applicant comes in and hands a resume in, the hostess will put like a little code, like a star or something, if it's she's like ugly or not. And then if she's ugly, you'll go to, like inter- straight into the garbage. Like, okay. that's a co- very common practice in a lot of restaurants. So that's okay, that's, but, that's not new that restaurants try to. But we're not even talking about attractiveness. That. Well, we're talking about breast size specifically. Sure, I think a restaurant industry often. And I think has it's hilarious two in the same category, but it's hilarious that we were talking in t- about intelligence, but naturally. We have regressed into talking about breast size. No, we we Rob we brought up the breast still, size. We can still finish talking about intelligence because the intelligence is very important in terms of choosing mates. Again, you're one of the things you're looking for when you're going out to eat is probably not a long time partner. So you, the breast size of your waitress probably doesn't have a huge bearing. But I I still don't I don't think it's bad science. I don't think it's unnecessary science i think it's good that we're researching into sort of human thoughts and feelings rather than just cold hard facts and if if something seems obvious just not backing it up with evidence we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one (laughs) you think that you think that if you believe something is common (laughs) knowledge there's no point doing research on it (laughs) (laughs) i think this ridiculous. Oh, that, never mind. I didn't not even get into it more. It's it's this it's the subject of the research. I don't think that's necessary. But but why do you get to decide? The, unfortunately, I don't. Clearly, okay. You should be the grand poobah of <laughs> deciding what research is important. This enough. is some this is some Sheldon Cooper esque dialogue going on here. It kind of it's is. Like, so science should just automatically believe you. Well, they should, but they don't. <laughs> you are becoming quite Cooperish in this episode. Thank you. Uh, That's great. And on yeah. that bombshell, I think I need to head out. Yeah, yeah, you can you can go for now. You're dismissed, and uh, Mike and Thank I will round out the show for you. Thank you. That's. That's very good of you. (laughs) (laughs) It's the least I could do. All right. See you, Nick. See ya. Have a good week, guys. You too. You too. Uh, All right, Mike. Let's put the science behind us for now. um, Because I think think that's hilarious, but we can can talk about that until the cows come home. Uh, You have a story here about, well, about voice assistance in general. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess everyone saw when Siri came out and it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And it was quite impressive when I first, uh, experienced how powerful Siri was. Um, and then Google now came out with their, their voice, uh, activation and kind of helpful Siri type commands that they, that they integrate into the phone, such as, you know, schedule, whatever, and it puts in your schedule. So then Microsoft came out with Cortana, which apparently is quite impressive as well. I haven't had a chance to experience it for myself, but from what I've heard of, it's it's quite powerful, uh, at least as as much as Siri and and Google now is. And I guess Microsoft decided to make 
Cortana available to iOS and Android. Um, So for those, and and it will tie into your Windows ecosystem, such as your computer, your tablet, or whatever. Every Windows device, yeah. Yeah. So I guess this is a nod to the fact that people who you know are do have say like a Surface tablet or or a PC that they may not have a Windows phone. So right. those who don't can put this app on there um, and kind of have that integrate with their existing Windows devices. So when I read it, I basically heard, oh, so they're just going to use Bing as their search engine, which is pretty <laughs> much what it is. At least I can imagine. Yeah. Um, it won't have the same sort of kind of system functionality as Siri does with iOS or Google now with with the Android system. As right. far as being able to access apps and phone functionality and that kind of thing. But you'll at least be able to say, you know, how tall is LeBron James? And it will give you the answer, um, I'd imagine. So It will also probably be able to set, if there is a reminder functionality in, be able to, I'm assuming this is going to be kind of a one-stop shop for Windows-related things that would go back to Windows, just the same way it is on uh, with the Google search app on iOS where you have Google Voice Search. Mm-hmm. You can set reminders, but they'll set it'll set them in Google Keep. Oh, okay. So not into the phone, right? Right. Yeah, perhaps. It'll store okay. them on, on a server. Yeah, sure. That that could work. Because what yeah. other companion apps does Microsoft have other than the Office stuff? Do they have? I mean, they have Outlook. They have. Oh, that's true. Yeah, Outlook. Do they, they, have... they actually have a number of like something like fifty or sixty apps. Okay. Or mostly for enterprise, but yeah, they have okay. a ton. Yeah, so so that that could work then. Yeah, yep. for sure. So anyway, I thought this was this was interesting, and uh, I was in the Microsoft store the other day, and you know, the, you walk in, and I was with uh, Maria at the time, and she's like, "Oh, so it's kind of like the Apple store because that's pretty much, kind of what they're going for." Yeah, it's an, anal- an analogy. Yeah. yeah. Um. So like you know, it looked nice. It was well-polished and is basically Microsoft devices instead of Apple. And they didn't have watches or, or, uh, iMacs. They had the, the tablets, the surface tablets and the phones. Right. Um, they had some non-surface tablets there as well, I think, but, okay. um, they had the little table of windows phones and I was chatting with them about the, you know, the recently announced windows 10, uh, functionality and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, so just see when they're expecting those and they couldn't really give me any answers, but, um, I don't know I'm I'm excited for Windows or Microsoft in general to see where they're going. I think they're I think we talked about before that they're kind of back into relevance now. Yeah, and uh, I'd I'd seriously consider a Windows phone for my next phone just for a change and might be fun to try to use something different. I guess. Yeah. Um. And I think iOS as well. I'd seriously consider since the, the iPhone six came out. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, one of the things that that goes kind of goes along with this, and I think this is this was kind of released by Apple a little early to distract people from um, Google I/O, uh, is that they they've been developing for several years, sort of the next uh, edition of Siri, the next uh, stage in evolution. And it's so they're calling it proactive, apparently, and it's probably going to be released, uh, I guess, next week now on uh, June 8th. 
basically trying to take on Google Now. So adding some of the functionality that Google Now has where it kind of pulls in information for you when you do searches, yeah. either with your voice or with type. Um, one of the biggest things is letting developers add Siri to their apps without requiring like explicit permission and working with Google as a partnership. So anybody would be able to say, oh yeah, play my Spotify playlist uh, blues or something. Oh, okay. and, and it would use Siri to play Spotify, which right now is not possible. It's just it, Google's apps that can do it. And sp- some specific things like you can send tweets, for instance, okay. because they're partnered with Twitter. Um, so I, I really think it's a good evolution and it seems kind of natural that they would do that. But uh, yeah, it's because it's getting to the point now that all kinds of all the voice functionality is basically they're adding by piece by piece things that the other voice assistants have and the other smart sort of, I guess they're not just voice assistants, but smart assistants in that they'll be able to use what's on your phone to actually bring information to you instead of having to go and search for it. But uh, I'm, I'm excited to see what this future of voice holds. I use my voice or either Siri or voice search all the time. Um, A lot of the time it's much easier to say, make an appointment at five o'clock on next Thursday or setting reminders or making alarms. So one of the things that, that I did um, we had an Oscar party here whenever the Oscars were. I think it was March. Yeah. And they were on until about 1130 or was it 1230 even? Like it was really late and it's on a Sunday night. And uh, Julia was like, oh, I like, let's not do this next year. It was way too late. It was way later than we thought it was going to be. It was like an hour longer than it was supposed to be broadcast for, which happens every year. And so I immediately set a reminder uh, in 51 weeks, remind me not to host the Oscars and like it parsed it perfectly and put in the reminder. Like it's way easier to do that yeah. than to go and set a reminder and flip a year into the future. And yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Oh, so the issue is that you guys are hosting it. So you had to actually, you couldn't just leave. <laughs> we couldn't leave yeah. and we, yeah. 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 No, I've, I've found the same way, like setting an alarm. I'll just say, yeah, set an alarm for 20 minutes from now or yeah. yeah remind me in yeah 55 minutes to turn off the lawn like the sprinkler or whatever yeah and it just sets it like yeah because it yeah it's it sounds like oh it's five seconds instead of 20 but still it's every bit counts. it's two seconds instead of yeah 20 or 30 yeah in that you don't have to go and open the app you don't have to navigate through, through the all numbers yeah 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 so I'm I'm excited to see. It sounds like Cortana's got a lot coming with Windows 10. We're going to see the launch of it uh, in full version right now. I mean, the Windows 10 build that I have has it. Um, I haven't really used it yet because it's on my desktop and who uses voice search on a desktop? Uh, but Google Now is going to be a lot get, getting a lot better. We talked about uh, Now on Tap and Siri is going to be getting a lot better. Yeah. So after this summer, we'll have a lot to, to yeah. talk to our phones about. Yeah. Yeah, I think between the three big companies, because they're not including BlackBerry, because they're they're relevant. Why would you? So, yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> um, it's gonna be largely depend depending on which phone you buy is gonna be largely depend on what you're loyal to. I think because all three are gonna offer very competitive, compelling reasons to go with them. Yeah. So from an objective standpoint, it would be a very hard decision. I think, but if you've just always used Android, then that makes your decision a bit easier. I think. 
for sure. I think all three are worth considering at this point from what we've seen to them. Yeah, I would agree with that completely. Um, so I guess now we're into the, in, is there other stuff you have that you wanted to like, we can call this, uh, we can call this the after show. We can call this the, these are things, little interesting tidbits that we heard that we want to talk about for the rest of the show. Do you want to do that after show or do you want to do that? Sure. Let's, let's start the after show and it'll be more, I guess. Yeah. Little bits kind of pre post. Just th- Things we want to talk about, but not yeah. major topics. I don't know what you'd call an appetizer that's after dinner. Yeah. But it's kind of like that. A, a midnight buffet. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for the time being, I want to thank you guys for listening to uh, this week's future chat. I'd like to thank Audible one more time uh, for helping to support the podcast and just reminding you that you can help us out and get a free audiobook as well as a free 30-day trial by visiting audibletrial.com slash unwind as in Unwind Media. And we will be back right here next week with more science and tech talk. What I'm going to ask you to do this uh, week is to go check out our brand new shiny home on the web, which I have moved everything over to. We are now located at unwindmedia.com slash future chat. You'll be able to find all the episodes there and all the other stuff that we have going on there. There are some blog posts, which I was rereading today. And uh, they're pretty good. I, I like your very in-depth. I was reading over the Chromecast uh, oh, unboxing. Yeah. Uh, there was a, there was a couple of good blog posts in there, and you'll be able to find those too. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's all over at unwindmedia.com/slash/futurechat. We'll see you guys next week. See you guys. Okay. I feel like uh, I'm. Well, I just want to say this because I feel like people may stop listening because we're like oh we're just gonna um give appetizers but these are interesting things yeah. they're just not big things and we've already, we're already an hour and a half so it kind of encourages us to wrap it up <laughs> uh a little more quickly than we would otherwise uh so the first one that i wanted to talk about is that scientists have figured out the actual reason or they, they've at least come a lot closer to confirming that there's an actual reason why swiss cheese has holes that a lot of other cheeses don't um, for a long time. And this is what I had heard. It, it was thought that the reason it had holes was because there was CO2 formed during the, the fermenting process that just got trapped and formed these big holes. But that kind of thing happens with all cheeses and it doesn't really lead to holes. And what they discovered was what they've discovered recently, I guess I should start with is that holes are getting a lot smaller in Swiss cheese than they used to be. And they couldn't really figure out why. And so that's why they led them to do this. And it turns out that what happens is when the refining process for the milk that goes into making cheese isn't very, isn't good enough, isn't really purifying it enough, you end up with little bits of hay from, I don't know exactly how that gets in there, whether it's the cows. I don't know what makes Swiss cheese different than regular cheese, but it turns out in Swiss cheese, up until very recent, uh, I guess you'd call it manufacturing techniques, but the making of Swiss cheese, uh, had you had ended up with hay. And when you end up with little bits of hay, it sort of, it, it leaves and it's a thing that creates holes. Like it, through the chemical process, it 
it is a thing that allows the holes to form. So I don't think they've necessarily worked out the exact chemical process by which this works, but they've done extensive testing to show that uh, when you remove the hay, like when you remove the hay from a sample of cheese, you get much, much smaller holes. So it's not just, it may very well be that it is carbon dioxide in the holes, but it's not carbon dioxide in the cheese that's causing the holes. It's these hay particles or little hay pieces in the cheese that are causing it. Is it kind of like the term I'm thinking of, and this may not be appropriate or correct, is like a nucleation site? Yeah. yeah. So it's it's kind of like that where it kind of, yeah, it's different than the surrounding. So air can kind of come in and just gather around that. Yeah, attach to it and pump around it. And then just kind of grow from there. Whereas, yeah, if it's not there, then those nucleation sites don't exist. Yep. That's kind of... That makes sense. When you said hay, I'm thinking like little like strings of like just like a hay piece, not like particles yeah. of hay. Like, well, yeah. So the, it is particles of hay, right. but it's, they're not huge. They're not like yeah. like pick it out yeah. of your teeth. Like they're not like, like straw. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Hmm, that's interesting. But, uh, yeah, I thought that was really cool. That it's modern techniques that are now causing them to disappear that made them want to do this. Okay. Um, so is it so just I think it, the fact that the Swiss cheese needs to go through less filtering to have the taste it does, and that's why the hay would remain? It's possible. Like, yeah. I don't. I'm not okay. a. I don't know the difference between Swiss cheese and other cheeses. Right. But uh, it seems like that's the case because why else would there be hay yeah. in the in the cheese? Right. Yeah. Cool. All right. Uh, so why don't you tell me about Montreal's plans to become smarter? Yeah. Well, we talked about the Shaw Go hotspots that are around Calgary, at least. And I guess possibly wherever else Shaw operates. I think mostly Western Canada at this point. Yeah. Um, but the Shaw Go hotspots are places where, and they're usually businesses where they'll have a router there that accesses the Shaw network and is offered as a free service to Shaw customers to connect to Wi-Fi using their Shaw account. So this Montreal initiative is a city-driven plan to put hotspots throughout the city. I think the number they had was 750 of free Wi-Fi hotspots. And part of those places would include the subway and transit vehicles. Yeah. Uh, so you can go on Wi-Fi while you're sitting on the train during your commute or whatever. Um, and so this would be f- fully funded and done by the city, not by a third party like Shaw or TELUS or whatever. Um, right. So it's, it's, it's interesting to see a municipality head this initiative versus, you know, a company like Shaw, who actually has a vested interest in the propagation of their services. Um, so it's, it's more a coming of age of, well, people want this technology available. And so let's kind of give them what they want, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I honestly do think that the future is going to be moving away from the telecoms and more into just accessible internet and data. Yeah. The, the only problem I see there is that you end up kind of with a win scenario where you still have to rely on them if you want to leave the city limits. Right. Unless you had, I mean, if you could have repeaters, 
or Wi-Fi yeah. along the highway, just like you could have cell yeah. towers. But for the amount that I would be out of a place where there isn't accessible Wi-Fi, assuming that, you know, in this future that I'm imagining, just at least in this city, you'd have data, like internet yeah. access. That the times where I'd leave, I'd be fine paying for it because I wouldn't have to pay for yeah. it on my end. So it's like, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah, I get it. So and that that makes complete sense. Yeah. And it, it's it's cool to see that they're gonna have the internet on their transit. I think that's. I don't know how they're. I guess. Yeah, I don't know how they can do that on the subway. Like if it goes through a tunnel, I don't know if it would like lose service. I don't, it, I think they would be either in the tunnel or they'd be on the actual transit cars themselves. Because that's the that's the main thing is that y- even if you do have cell service in a city like Montreal, yeah, in the tunnels it tends to get lost because you're underground. So I would imagine they'd have to have some kind either pico cells or whatever it is under in the stations yeah. and in, on the tracks. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's nice to see a Canadian city taking that mm-hmm. step to get smarter. Yeah. Uh, so the last story we have here. Uh, this is another PSA, kind of like the traffic one I had last week. Um, and it's basically, why are you, the, the title of this article from io9 is, why are you still washing your clothes in warm water? And basically, I just wanted to point out that most detergents, especially liquid detergents, don't require warm water to work. I never ever use anything but cold water on my washing machine since I moved in here like a year ago because it makes no difference and you're probably already using too much detergent even if you have warm water um so cold water it, they're basically this this article goes pretty in depth in the science of this and apparently 75% of the energy that goes into washing your clothes comes into warming come comes in from heating up the water used to wash them and so for someone like me who we don't have a hot water heater that sits there keeping water hot we have an on-demand water heater and so we can either be running that throughout the the laundry cycle or we can literally just use cold water and it just stays off completely and we use electricity and we use cold water and it's substantial energy savings and they were they were saying that uh what was it it'll save you sixty bucks a year uh unless you live in a place with higher than average electricity rates, in which case it would be even more and they were saying that if every Las Vegas household switched uh to cold water for a year uh they could power the strip, which is famously power hungry for a week and <laughs> uh the Hoover dam uh or sorry if the entire u s switched to cold water for a year. It would save the amount of energy produced by the Hoover Dam in like a year and a half. Like these are substantial energy savings we're talking about, and it's just because of hot water. Yeah, I honestly I didn't think that that many people still use hot water because most detergents right on them say cold water, cold water, use cold water. Like, like there are specific cold water detergents, but most of the other most of the normal ones don't say that. But you don't need it. Okay. Like what I what I have seen and said for a while now is that i mean a you don't need to use soap in the shower if you're not physically dirty like you're not trying to get dirt off you can maybe use a small amount of soap if you want to get some of the oil off your skin but that oil is actually pretty healthy for your skin uh similarly unless your clothes are 
dirty, like if you've just worn them, you don't really need to use a lot of detergent. You're just basically getting a little bit of the, the grease and oils that have come off your skin onto them. Like if you have a stain on your shirt or something, or if you, if you've been rolling around in mud and you want to clean your shirt, of course, that's what detergent is for. It pulls the dirt out, but you don't need a lot of detergent in order to clean your clothes. You don't need, you certainly don't need hot water. They, they were saying that there's a bunch of, uh, it almost seems like this is a commercial or a, an ad for Tide. Like it's, it's sponsored by Tide. It could be because those things are fairly common now. But it's not like it's specifically these kind of sites specifically disclose that they when they are sponsored and it, it doesn't say that. But uh, basically saying that the they would talk to the engineers, chemists that went into making these detergents and saying that they are making specific detergents that will work across a range of temperatures so that even if you have cold water, it's still going to have the same surfactant action as mm-hmm. the as it would in hot water right yeah Which yeah i think is awesome yeah i have to i guess There's, uh oh sorry go ahead I'll, I'll put the link in uh in the notes for anyone who is interested but apparently procter and gamble in their detergents uses they also use enzymes in their detergents which i just think is crazy i had no idea that we were using like these are biological systems there it says they're uh they're inspired by the evolved systems of organisms found in cold ocean water uh which are, so they're systems that don't get sluggish when exposed to cold water so basically it allows the surfactants to keep doing their job right. even though it's cold right which enzymes aren't crazy. necessarily <laughs> alive though are they they're not alive no. no they're just biological in nature natural I feel like we should have done this segment in a granola voice. <laughs> I, I don't think so. Cause they're like a Procter and Gamble. They're an industrial chemical company. Yeah. I feel like oatmeal people would have a problem with that. I don't know why we're calling them oatmeal people, but who's calling them oatmeal? I'm saying you granola. Go. You're right. <laughs> Nobody was saying oatmeal. <laughs> you said oatmeal people. Granola. Granola is the word. Yeah. You're right. Uh, all right. I thought that that's it for stories for this week. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to add before we go, Mike? Well, did we want to talk about Periscope and Meerkat or should we save that? Oh yeah. Let's talk about Periscope and Meerkat. Okay. We got, we'll should say, we start? Like, should we Periscope this? <laughs> I was honestly, I was trying to do this Periscope for the show, but my phone died. So I figured for the show or before the show, before the show, I was trying to get it going, but my phone died. It's because you were Periscoping so much before. No, it, it actually was. Yeah. But right. if you periscope it, you're only going to hear one side of the conversation. Because... I, I'm well aware of this. <laughs> That's okay. the best part. Okay. <laughs> what I can actually try to do is I'll up the volume on my headphones a little bit. I'll try to... Here, mine, mine is 27% battery, so I can actually... I can, oh, well, there you go. I can periscope uh, So this, this is... People who don't care at all about Periscope and Meerkat can go away because this is what the rest of the episode is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what is that? Everybody can chat. Don't want to privately broadcast. And I don't really want to... Yeah, I'll put my location on. Live on air with for uh, at underscore future chat chat. Oh, that's how you turn the Twitter post on. 
me. No. Just them. realize that. <laughs> Way to go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Was that you getting a tweet? Or was that me? That was me saying that you just started it. Okay. Oh, you're you're not doing it. You're just sharing mine? No, I'm going to start it, but it said my internet connection was too slow. Oh. But now I'm That's unfortunate. turning my Wi-Fi on, so it should. It sounds like you need to update your internet. Uh, so what I'm doing here is I am double broadcasting on Hangouts, and I'm broadcasting on Periscope. And I'm hoping that people will be able to hear this because there are headphones uh, hooked up to the microphone. Uh, what we So what did you want to say about Periscope, Mike? Just that it's amazing. And you used it while you were golfing today, which was hilarious. I used it a lot the past week, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. So we're starting. I just started my Periscope feed here. So uh, for those joining us on, on Periscope, either through Rob's stream or mine, um, this is the behind the scenes for our Future Chat <laughs> podcast at Future Chat. Actually, it's now unwindmedia.com slash future chat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so for those that aren't aware on our uh, on our podcast listeners here, that Periscope and Meerkat are both live streaming services for basically anyone who has an account with them, obviously, to start their own live stream. And that live stream gets posted on the global, you know, now live uh, st- feed stream list feed yeah that feed anyone can kind of join and comment on and give likes to or hearts as they're they're used in both these apps and yeah i don't know it's, it's i find it very entertaining and fun and i think other people enjoy watching it yeah from, from what i've it's, seen it's interesting when you're doing something that's the yeah. most compelling no people people have actually well is there a way to flip the camera on these yeah oh, double tap there so i can see comments and questions um so yeah the i used it when i was literally walking to the bus in the morning and 13 people joined and started asking me yeah. questions about where i was and to show some nips and unfortunately <laughs> that was unfortunately there weren't any nips around to show and i wouldn't have shown them anyway but you didn't flip the camera around that's your problem <laughs> I couldn't tell if they wanted to see my nips or someone else's. I <laughs> I was I was tempted to show my nips and I think they would have probably been fairly disappointed in probably the hairiness and manliness of them. Um but but no, I've I've really enjoyed using it. It's it's I guess it's this new technology that is I don't know, it's it's surreal when you do it. Yeah. I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Um but I don't know. What, what's your experience been with it so far? Uh, I have right away when I first got it, I was going into a lot like you were. Uh, more recently, I have done. I've done a couple. Um, I watched I, I wrote about watching the the Mayweather Pacquiao fight or trying right. to watch it yeah. on Periscope yeah, after failing, yeah. failing this with the streams. I'm getting some. Uh, some Star Trek level lens flares from the lamp, the <laughs> light behind me. Yeah. Um, it's been good. I, I enjoy it. I feel like when I have some, when I have actual compelling things to say, like, Hey, this is what I'm doing. I think it'd be more useful to me. And also, uh, apparently non vertical video is on the way. 
Okay. Right now, if I turn my camera horizontally, it just it, people would have to turn their camera horizontally as well to actually see anything that's going on. So it, it looks fine to me, but I know that people would enjoy the other the vertical experience more because just that's the way it's supposed to be right now. Yeah. There's no there's no set method for doing it horizontally. Yeah. I've liked that they've they added a functionality to save your video to gallery once you're done doing yeah. it. So like the other day when I was I was at Eau Claire Market and there were some geese crossing the path. I, or they were about to cross the path. I'm like, I'm going to video this because this is cool because they're like holding up <laughs> yeah. traffic. And it was just hilarious because there was like 10, 10 balmy geese and like 20 babies that were all crossing at the same time. Right. And so I could have periscoped that. So, and then also it would have been saved to my gallery anyway. So it's the kind of thing, if you're going to take a video, you may as well live stream it for people to kind of watch and comment on as you're doing it and then right. you can still still save it so so what i'm going to do here is try to do a live experiment there are two people although they're on the web um who have been watching this whole time apparently I've i want to know that's been watching i want to know if you can hear if you can hear if i hold the earphone the i'm holding the mic or the other ear thing up to the microphone but I don't know if people can actually hear it. Okay. So I feel like they might be getting both sides of the conversation, but they might only be getting one. So I'll have to listen to it. I'll have to listen back later to figure it out. Yeah. Mine says I have no live viewers, but there's still a one little guy in the corner. So hmm. I don't know what that means. But when I swipe up, it shows no live viewers. Hmm. But for, for those that aren't on Periscope, and for the record, I've, I've had a way better experience with Periscope than Meerkat so far. Okay. Um, I think Beercast still going through some growing pains. Slash, well, they're smaller, yeah, and less they, resources. Yeah, they don't have Twitter behind them. That was right. That's kind of an immediate downside. Um, but yeah, if you don't have either, get at least Periscope and at least try both to see which one you like better. But I really enjoyed enjoyed Periscope, and even if you just go on there and just see what people are doing, and like, there's a lot of really ridiculous, like, oh, I'm just waking up or just stuff that's really not interesting, but like, I was or like walking to the bus. <laughs> well, I guess that's just me trying it. Cause I want to try it. Yeah. I, I was no, I, shocked I, when people actually started watching. I didn't expect anyone to do it. Cause yeah, but like I saw one that was like a behind the scenes at a newsroom and it was like news yeah. anchors broadcasting the news, like yeah. while on Periscope, it was like yeah. crazy. And then there's just this week, there've been a bunch of Google IO behind the scenes, unboxings, just reporting from IO on Periscope. And right. it was, I don't know, it's really cool. I, yeah. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. It does seem like the future of journalism. No, for sure. Yeah. For, especially for younger people that have less friction to yep. get this technology. Yeah. Yep. Like if this is around during like, like nine eleven. You'd, you'd have everyone like periscoping that it's like, yeah, yeah, just and it's like, yeah, instant news, just instant engagement. And I don't know, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, apparently, I was watching actually, I was watching a periscope in from the periscope studio, the, the office, um, by the founder, yeah, and he was going through the updates and answering a bunch of questions. It was really interesting, yeah, and he said that horizontal video is coming, okay. So I'm, yeah, looking forward to that, or that landscape. Other, I guess that was the other thing. I was hockey night in Canada did a periscope, 
and they were talking to a couple Leafs coaches, I think, yeah. just about the playoffs. And I went on there. There were like 30 people or so watching, and I asked a question, and they asked these coaches that question. And then, like, but it yeah, was my question. I was feedback. like, holy cow, like, that's amazing. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It was cool. <laughs> uh, all right. Are we, are you, would you say we're done for the week then? I think so. I'll, we covered it I'll end this Periscope. I'll yeah. say goodbye to the interweb people. Yeah. Bye, people. Bye, Periscope. Four, four total viewers with no retention. Sad. <laughs> I had uh, seven total viewers, 536 watched, duration 827. Oh, I got two hearts, though. That's nice. Two hearts? I got no hearts. <laughs> <laughs>